Yeah! What's up, y'all? <laughs> this your boy, D-Mike. <laughs> you see, I usually do songs with, like, hooks and concepts and shit, right? But fuck that, man. I'm trying to go platinum. So I'm about to rock this shit. Check this out, y'all. Uh. Read a book, read a book, read a motherfucking book. Classy episode of Nerdy Show. Hello, I am Hex. I'm Cap. Brandon. Colin. And what you just listened to was Read a Book, Motherfucker, by <laughs> D-Might, a.k.a. Not a rapper. <laughs> Not a rapper. One of his many... Uh... Monikers. Yes. Plume de nom. Moniker makes me think of how uh, all the monocles we're wearing. No! I'm wearing two. <laughs> Uh, it's, a book, it's a book club. It's not a fancy caviar champagne party. I crushed up fine china and put it in my codpiece. I snort diamond dust. That's right. This is the uh, microsode promised. Yes, promised to Joe Barda. Joe Barda, who actually is such a Roosevelt and or baller. This is actually the first of two microsodes going out to Joe Barda. because monkey. He just donates like that in a strategic way so that he scores... The microsodes. Brilliant. Joe Barta didn't specify any particular person, but the people we had available was, was us guys here. And this is the sort of thing where, uh, much like Dan Blake's obscure movie microsode, there's many of us nerdy showers, and we could actually do multiple versions of the same topic. If you want it, you can ask for it. But let's be fair. I mean, this is probably going to be, besides Brian. This right. This is basically the literary, well, literate group of nerdy shows. So. What about Jonna? Oh, oh yeah. well, I'm sorry. Yeah. I haven't read a book. What about John and Kristen? What about years? Luke McDuffie? 
Never. Okay, we're mainly we're, talking, we're talking about, about Mike. Mike. Luke, was, <laughs> Luke was supposed to be here, but he's running late. <laughs> no. no. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, book club edition of a microsode. I guess we're going to be talking about what books we're reading. Correct. To, uh, currently, currently. Currently. So if they, if they did another microsode, it would be. It what could books, actually change. Yeah, yeah, it would be what books we were reading. So at this very moment, yeah. I am reading Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's collection of Sherlock Holmes, Volume One. Oh. I'm uh, at this very moment reading the short story. Hex ain't bullshitting you. He is actually classy reading right now. <laughs> uh, study in Scarlet is what I'm still currently reading. It's the first short story that introduced Sherlock Holmes to the world. But them's got big words. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, they do. That's what I'm reading. And uh, I don't really want to. We got 15 minutes. So I'm not going to. Really? Because I'm going to. So I'm going to talk about mine. Good. Yeah. So, yeah, cool. You guys go then. Then let It's me... Sherlock Holmes. Like, what the fuck? Go read it. It's amazing. Like, you don't need me telling you so that. Wait. So it's, it's not all hype, though. No, no, no. It's still, and it's still readable. And there's a reason why Stephen Moffat decided to reboot it, to do his own no, version. No, no, excuse because me. Because it's amazing. Perhaps I'm behind the times, but who is this Sherlock Holmes character? Really? Shut the fuck up. You know who Sherlock Holmes is. Everyone knows who uh, Sherlock okay. Holmes is. Yes. He's the great mouse detective. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> um, actually, interesting story, because it's Basil on Baker Street. Basil is actually a reference to the first per- the actor to play Sherlock Holmes. Oh. Yeah. That's cool. I read that while uh, reading the introduction to the Sherlock Holmes volume one. Anyways, enough Sherlock Holmes. Well, what are you heathens reading? Colin. Well, Colin. Colin? Uh, I, You're I, reading Colin? I'm reading Colin. The Book of Colin. Oh, God. It, not to combat with... The, it's how to be a douche. Yeah. <laughs> Although we have decided that I'm the I'm the anti antithesis to, to Hex, so I don't know why. Anyway, so I'm reading I'm reading Game of Thrones, actually. Game of Thrones. But, but there's a show. You. Why read it? Well, it's 800 pages, Brandon. 800 pages of glory. It's actually an amazing book. It was given to me for my birthday. Oh. And a lot of times I don't buy into books because of the hype. A lot of times I'm like, eh, you know, but actually that book, there's a reason why they, these books have hype. So especially, I'm reading the first one, especially it's for the folks who don't know. I know that Max Cree reads the Game of Thrones series, The Song of Ice and Fire, but it's 800 pages of awesome. Seriously. There are is a softcore porn. I hear because okay. the show is softcore porn. No, it's borderline it's, hardcore porn. No, I, I tried. I've been trying to explain this to people. Basically, the way that it is is that there is some sex in it. There's there's a, a, a decent amount of sex. The in odd it. page numbers. But here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. It's 800 pages, and I would say that maybe 50 pages concern sex. So within that 800 pages, take those 50 pages and then spread them out. And there you go. There's sex. So you don't necessarily <laughs> you don't necessarily find to be like a really sexy, super sex book. It, there, I mean, there's sex. So in whereas it. the show has some manner of intercourse in it every single episode, it doesn't necessarily have intercourse in every single chapter. Exactly. I mean, there's no one, it may. No, no, no. In in the book, in the book, there is there is one specifically that there's always something going on sexually with this one character. Yeah. But well, she's like, he's like older and she's un- kind of underage. She's like, yeah, it's one of those kind of situations. Intriguing. Yeah. You'd like it. No, it's good. No. But anyway, the cool thing about this book is that basically they, it's told from the perspective of 
like 10 or so primary characters. And using those 10 primary characters, he broadens out this entire world that he's been creating. So you get different perspectives. That doesn't seem like the show at all. Uh, you get different perspectives of the of this world from all of these different characters, where some characters know what's going on over here on this side of the war, or the war hasn't happened yet, but whatever, of this side of, of the conflict, and then the other characters know what's going on, on over on this side of the conflict. So the reader knows what's going on in the entire world, but the characters don't. Mm. So that concept is actually really fun to read. And that's where the that's where the tension is is coming from. Because the reader is aware of like what this character is going to run into when he meets up with this other character. Gotcha. So there's also a mystical element that's gonna come into play and all that kind of stuff, but it's great. I mean I'm on page hundred I'm like on page seven hundred and the war just started. And it seems like it has been building up to this this battle, this war, it doesn't feel like it was rushed and it doesn't feel like it was slow. Like there were a whole bunch of different pieces that led up to this, up to this conflict. For 800 pages, I'm sure it doesn't seem like it, it was rushed. The, the, yeah, the pacing must be great with 800 pages. <laughs> it must seem like you're actually living during the actual time it's happening. Well, no, it's just that like, it's just that like, you know, like something will happen here and then the consequences of this action will bring this other thing into action. And because that's caused by this pages, other character, it's clearly in real time. Yeah, well, true. Yes, it is. It's a real time. It's in a real time <laughs> book. Just like how there's you have the real time movies. It's a real time book. Okay. <laughs> so there you go. Game of Thrones. I highly recommend it. Well, I guess. I guess we'll move on to me now. I, I normally don't read. Reading is for commoners. Um, <laughs> the last books I read were. Don't let the pigeon drive the bus, and don't give the pigeon a hot dog. Great classical reads. I by Mo Willems. I think you should check them out I'm at your local library, or online, uh, whatever you can. However, I did start reading recently. Uh, again, I decided to pick up an old habit. I read Ender's Game. Currently, I'm reading Speaker for the Dead by Arson Scott Card. It's one of the sequels to the Ender's Game series. So far, it's pretty good. It takes place in space, Brazil. Everyone speaks Portuguese in this book, and the Vatican is everywhere in space. That's pretty much all you need to know about this book. Arson Scott Card is, is a Mormon, and he hates women. Check out his books. <laughs> and uh, gays. The, yes, and, and gays. The other book I'm reading is the uh, Manual of Ornithology. <laughs> Avian Structure and Function by Noble S. Proctor. Uh, you don't need to know the other guy because the Noble S. Proctor part is the main part. Uh, he's amazing. He has written a great book. If you like birds, this is written in such a way that you'll learn everything about them and you'll enjoy doing it. <laughs> so, it's a good read. It's several hundred pages. It's got uh, pictures. It has words. Uh, both things good for a book. Are the, are the characters deep? Uh, the characters are deep. So deep you can see inside them. <laughs> You can see what makes them tick and just how. There's three. There's three dimensional characters because in Game of Thrones they have three dimensional characters. Oh, three there's, dimensional... there's three dimensional characters. You yeah. will you will weep, you will <laughs> laugh, and you'll have moments that make you go, "Huh, I get that." <laughs> so it's a really it's a really good book. It's my book of the year, the Manual of Ornithology by uh, Noble Proctor. Pick it up. Check it out. I like to pick up the point out that despite Orson Scott Card's uh, Mormon bigotry, he is in fact a very talented writer, or at least he has been in the past. And Ender's Game is an exceptional book that everyone should read. And it's despite the fact that there are redeeming qualities to the other books in the series, Ender's Game stands alone as being one of the greatest books I have ever read. And it's one of those situations where you really can't judge it based on the beliefs of the author because it is a literary masterpiece. And in addition to being a science fiction masterpiece, first and foremost, a literary masterpiece. Yeah, the book transcends the author. Yeah, by far. By by leagues. He knew about iPads in the 70s. Man. Really the 80s, but... Shut up. Edit that, Colin. 
<laughs> Use some CG and change the date. You're such a jackass. Um, You've been reading the book of Colin. I'm a hug. What have you been reading, Cass? What I'm reading is uh, the book A Deadly Shade of Gold by John D. McDonald, and it's part of the Travis McGee series. Fucking love this trap, this this series. Uh, I love this author. John D. McDonald is one of the great Floridian authors. He himself not a native Floridian, but a guy who moved here and uh, and loved it and wrote a bunch of books set in here. But it's also one of the great authors in the hard boiled genre, which is a, a, a sidestep of noir. It's like a kind of more modern noir and also a mystery. Stephen King, Carl Hyacin, they all look to him. Everybody who's a big deal now looks to his books. He used to be one of the, I mean, one of the biggest names in. In literature, he died in the early 80s. I mean, his books still get read a lot, Not, but his name means less to, to like our generation. We don't really know him. Cape Fear, both of them based on one of his books. Really ama- the most amazing fight scene in a film ever, uh, at least an American film. I can't really count kung fu movies. Darker Than Amber is actually, uh, you can you can watch this fight scene online. We'll have a link to it. I've probably mentioned it in the past. It's actually based on one of, one of these Travis McGee novels. The Travis McGee series is. I've set Luke on this recently. I hope he's he started reading, but it's a well. It's massive, isn't it? There's it, like fifty books in the series. No, there's there's not fifty. There's um, forty. Well, I remember because we went to McKay's. We went to a, an awesome bookstore in Nashville, and Cap had a cart that was full <laughs> of these books that he wanted to buy because he cleaned out all of Orlando. I'm looking at the list. On he this cleaned cover. out all of Orlando's used bookstores of these John D. McDonald books, and then we went to Nashville. Apparently, you know there. No one had cleaned them out yet, so Cap got there, and by the time he got there, the cart was... I just turned the corner, and the cart was <laughs> filled with books. I did buy at least 30 books that day. <laughs> but there's there's like 20-something of these books, maybe like 25 or so, and he wrote them from a period in the, between the late 50s and up till he died in the early 80s. And uh, and so you take... It's got this character, Travis McGee. He's a he's a boat bum. He lives in Fort Lauderdale at Bahia Mar, and actually the boat slip, the fictional boat slip, which is turned out to be a real boat slip, where he lives, was the uh, first national literary landmark ever dedicated. That's Whoa. Awesome. He goes by the title Boat Bum, but what he does, in fact, is he, he solves problems for people. He does dangerous jobs that make him a large sum of money, which he can live off of until he needs another large sum of money. And he's basically, if someone loses something, he will find it for them and take half. He's very, very good at, at solving these problems, and uh, it's a re- he's a really compelling character. It's not it's a, it's a much deeper read than most mystery novels are. What if um, someone loses a daughter? There needs to be some kind of financial angle Plus, to it. Oh, Otherwise, okay, I, I mean, say, how does I, he take half? <laughs> we'll, we'll find a way. But um, top half. He's a <laughs> I prefer half. the bottom half. Yeah, that's the good part. <laughs> He's also the character is also kind of a a philosopher. He thinks of himself as kind of a modern day Don Quixote. He's relatively chivalrous. He has a a, a great mind for thinking kind of outside of his position. And it was, he's one of those he's one of those people who's too smart for his own good in a lot of ways, despite the rough situations he gets himself into. And this particular novel is like the fifth or sixth in the series. Well, where should you um, if, if people are interested in this, where should they start? Well, you can go to Wikipedia, or or actually, if you open up a new um, a newer copy, you can you can find these books at Barnes and Noble. I mean, I don't recommend buying from them because they're an evil corporation, but <laughs> but you, you can you can get a list online. And it starts the, with a book called The Deep Blue Goodbye, and that book is amazing. John D. McDonald wasn't really sure that he could that he had it in him to write a series and it, with a reoccurring character. So he tried it out. He wrote three books uh, in the, at the same time and realized he liked writing that character. So he went on. So the first three books he wrote relatively at the same time, they came out a couple months apart, and then he started going. And the thing is, is that books two and three are all right, 
but I'm not that huge a fan of them. Deep Blue Goodbye is amazing. And right after that, it goes to the the, th- the fourth book, The Quick Red Fox, and that's great. You could skip over the first two if you if you want to. They're they're neat, but but don't if you start reading these, don't get discouraged by how those don't live up to Deep Blue Goodbye because after that, it just keeps going. And one of the neat things about these books is because they're written over this huge period of time, it actually you see you watch this character grow throughout some of the most important decades of this country's history. Nine eleven and and comment uh, except for that. Shut up. Um, and, and, and comment on the changing environment and the changing political climate. And you basically can watch, it's a time capsule. You can actually experience that time period through this character's eyes because these are modern books, but they also read like period pieces. The amount of detail they're given about the uh, society and things that were happening, it's, it's, like a, it's, an, it's an incredible resource. I'm learning more about my hometown from reading these books than I probably ever could have. Wow. At the risk of going over 15 minutes, which I'm sure we probably have done already. John D. McDonald wrote a couple sci-fi books. They're pretty neat. They're very, very strange. They're not common. He wasn't used to writing them, but he had a lot of scientific thoughts and, and being the time period of the space race and everything, uh, a lot of it was like socially relevant. That was in the mind of everyone at the time. And sometimes Travis McGee will ponder kind of bigger picture stuff about the universe in general, and they start getting pretty sci-fi. So I actually found uh, an excerpt, relatively short, and I wanted to, uh, to read it. And this is an example of, of every so often in one of these novels, Travis McGee, because it's all in, in first person, Travis McGee will go on this weird little side trip in his own mind, and you'll be like, whoa, where the hell did that come from? Can, can you do this in voice? Sure. <clears throat> it was a cheap and dirty little death, a dingy way to die. When dawn came, there would be a hundred thousand more souls alive in the world than on the previous day, three quarters of a million more every week. This is the virus theory of mankind, the pretentious virus never knowing that it is a disease. Imagine the great ship from far galaxy which inspects a thousand green planets and then comes to ours and, from on high, looks down at all the scabs, the buzzings, the electronic jabberings, the poisoned air and water, and the fetid night glow. A little cave-dwelling virus, mutated, slew the things which balanced the ecology and turned the fair planet sick. An overnight disease, racing and explosive compared to the geological time. I think they would be concerned. They would be glad to have caught it in time. By the time of their next inspection, a hundred thousand years hence, this scabrous growth might have infected this whole region of an unimportant galaxy. They would push the button. Too bad. This happens every once in a while. Make a note to reseed the next time around after it has cooled down. Lofty McGee, shoulders hunched against the cold of the small hours, trying to diminish the impact of the death of a friend. But Sam was still there, in a ghastly dying sprawl on the floor of my mind. He wasn't going to make the PTA. They had closed his account. I squatted on my heels and picked up a handful of the damp sand and clenched it until my shoulder muscles creaked and my wrist ached like an infected tooth. This time they had taken one of mine, one of the displaced ones, a fellow refugee from a plastic structure culture, uninsured, unadjusted, unconvinced. So I had to have a little word or two with the account closers. Sounds awesome. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> All right, I might read. I might read. Yeah, might you, read got the, you got the first one. Can I borrow that? You can borrow that. Yeah, oh, these, these are good books. Awesome. They sound like good books. Now, <laughs> okay, so now now this has turned into a John D. McDonald microsode. Um, what, what, you can request that. Yeah, what, I'll do it. <laughs> what did what differentiates between this and like a modern NCIS CSI crap? Because this is ground. Show. This is ground level. This is this is the time when forensic investigation 
was was not the was not the same. And he's not I mean, he's not a police officer, but he knows things that police officers know. But generally, because he doesn't want police officers to interfere with his with his work because it could threaten his reward at the end. He tries to avoid them at all costs. Hmm. Sometimes they'll be like, they'll be too smart. They'll be on the level with him and he'll, he'll be like lying and lying and lying until he's like, all right, you got me. And then he like lets it all out. It's a guy who, based on his occupation, he has to know an awful lot about an awful lot of different things hmm. to get by and to fake his way into situations. Much like Sherlock, actually. Like Sherlock, it's it's interesting. I'm going to interject. Yeah, I was going yeah, to say this sounds a lot like Sherlock Holmes. Where it's, it's uh, um, there's this beautiful scene in A Study in Scarlet where Watson, just trying to f- understand Sherlock, the depth of Sherlock's knowledge, is talking to him, just trying to like poke and prod and goes, and, and he's flabbergasted at how much he knows, and then he gets to something that he knows nothing about. And he goes, so you don't know that the Earth revolves around the sun. He's like, oh, why should why does it matter? Why does it matter? Now that I know this, I have to forget it because there's only so much space up here and I have to save that space for something that's more pragmatic. Thank you for wasting my time, and Watson. both of these are, are very, very similar situations to, of course, the famous novel of Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus, <laughs> where he uses mind tactics and, and all sorts of existentialism to, to attempt to drive this so-called bus, uh, which I think is a euphemism. Great writing. Um, but yeah, you mean a metaphor? <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, the, me- the it was a euphemism for metaphor. <laughs> okay, either way. Uh, be- before we go, are there any books? Are there any books? Favorite books that you can really quick ramble off? That what, one of your favorite books? Go. Does Fifth Element have a book? Yes, it'll probably suck. Don't read that. I haven't read Legend of the Guardians yet, but if it has a book, I'm gonna read it. Um, it, it did. It came from a book. Then I'm reading it. All right, there you go. My three favorite books are Catch Twenty Two by Joseph Heller. Portrait of the Artist is Young Man by James Joyce and Heart of Darkness by Joseph Conrad. Yes. Yes. Heart of Darkness is one of my favorite books of all time. Yes. Uh, Lore of the Flies. Oh, nice. And I also, this isn't one of my favorite books, but I highly recommend The Graveyard Book by Neil Gaiman. Highly oh, yeah. I just recently read American Gods. Fucking brilliant. Yeah, great book. Oh, my God. Really great book. And perhaps Wuthering Heights. Fuck with it. I'm actually a, I'm actually a huge fan of Weathering Heights, no. but I understand no. it is not for everybody. No, no it, I would I would I would raise the Bronte sisters from the dead <laughs> so I could then kill them with my own bare hands. You know what? I for really the first think... time ever, Colin, we are in full agreement. <laughs> yeah. I would I would I would bring the goat to sacrifice to bring them back from the dead. Ah, fuck. It, it's it's a really hard read because it's about horrible people. It's about horrible, horrible people doing horrible, horrible things, but I find it very interesting. And, and the horrible things they do are purely societal, and it's it's not for everybody. I completely accept that. Most everybody I know hates it, so that's whatever. Good Kate Bush song, though, right? I mean, I'm... <laughs> and on that note, this episode must now, must come to an end. So the track we're, we're leaving it with is music inspired by some great American literature. This is Ahab by MC Lars. Oh, I thought we were going to do a song about Bartleby the Scrivener. mc lars classic track from his i generation album thanks for listening and if you want us uh, to ramble more about any kind of book or uh john d mcdonald we can keep this going yeah Yeah. specific books or just more books in general and and obscure movies as well i mean we're we're completely content to revisit a subject particularly one that's uh that has as many options as this. And right. these don't even have to be my these could be these could be prime. No, oh, one's, no one's brought up the subject of birds yet, so I'm still waiting. <laughs> There's a reason. I'm waiting. 
Anyways, for you. thanks for listening. Bye, I'm Hex. Bye, I'm Cap. Bye, I'm Brandon. And Colin. Enjoy. Fare well. Call me Ahab what? Monomaniac. Obsessed with success unlike Steve Wozniak. On the hunt for this mammal that once took my leg. With my worn down crew and my man Queequeg. You're never gonna find him. He's a big sperm whale. The ocean is enormous. Shut up, we're setting sail. This scar that you see that runs down my face. Has scarred my soul and inspired this chase. Mental sickness has got me on the run. Full speed ahead, this is American fun. There is wisdom that is woe, so welcome to my life. It was fine until Moby scarred me like a knife. Towards thee I sail, that unconquering whale. To stab my spear into your white. Tail. The first one to spot him gets his gold doubloon. Now excuse me while I go be melancholy in my room. Bad trip, thanks to Moby Dick. Egg legs turn whale jawbone. What? Whale crash, so fast. Oh no, oh no. This ship's got a hole. Plug it up, plug it up. We're never gonna find this white whale, are we, Cap? Hey, Ishmael. Can I call you annoying? Grown up beluga in the deep blue sea. Swim so fast and swim so free. With the heaven above, Moby Dick stressing me. And this crazy drenched crew below. Call it idiotic pride or call me Oedipus. My main tragic flaw. But what about us? It's your battle too, crew, man versus beast. At least have respect as we sail south and east and north and west. Look, I'm doing my best. While the rain keeps pouring, we're exhausted and stressed. Pimp when insane when he almost drowns. So profound when he shrieks like a little sailor clown. Random ships we met warned us of our doom. They said our Boat would be our tomb Near the Mariana Trench Deep in Oceanic We spotted Moby Dick So white and titanic Bad trip Thanks to Moby Dick Egg legs turn Whale jawbone What? Whale crash So fast Oh no Oh no The ship's got a hole Plug it up Plug it up Bad trip Thanks to Moby Dick My leg, and for that, you must die. I threw my spear and hit Moby in the eye. He charged the boat, it began to sink. I said, How about that? Hubris really stinks. I didn't think that it would end like this. Pride meant fate, this captain got dissed. Let it be a lesson, revenge is never sweet. So I stop my pain to the super grass team. That's it, thanks to Moby Dick. Egg legs turn whale job on what? listening to Nerdy Show, you damn fine American. Nerdy Show is brought to you by a comic shop, Nerdapalooza, Play and Trade Oviedo, and listeners like you. Haroo!
If you enjoyed what you heard, support Nerdy Show by telling a friend, picking up some merch at the Nerdy Store, or donate directly and receive exclusive perks. You know, capitalism, you goddamn commies. For more episodes of Nerdy Show, Dungeons and Doritos, videos, contests, and other nerdy programming, visit nerdyshow.com. You can subscribe to all Nerdy Show podcasts via the iTunes Store. Follow us on Facebook, Tumblr, and Twiddler. It's goddamn Twiddler now. Buy it. Make it. And get social with other Nerdy Show nerds at nerdyshow.com forums, you goddamn bags of cocks. Nixon, out! In three, two, one. <laughs> well, if the microphone picked that up, that was the sound of Brandon farting. What a perfect way to open up an episode about us talking about literature. I opened yeah. up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the cheeks parted and... It doesn't smell that bad because I just pooped. It smelled bad before, but now it's it's okay. It's just air now. It's just air. Wow. Breathe it in. Thanks, Brandon. There's no windows in here. (laughs) Holy shit. Are we really opening with this? Um... (laughs)